Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. All right, welcome in. Hour number two underway on Sports Daily. And we welcome in Dan Israel each and every Tuesday here. Dan, it's been a while, but we have to look at this thing and regret a loss for the Chiefs. What a game again. The pesky Bengals. Joe Burrow does it again to Patrick Mahomes, even though they don't directly play against each other, obviously. Uh, That's a big win for Cincinnati, and that's a tough loss for Kansas City because ultimately it might cost them home field. Could, yeah. Uh, we, we talked about it last week being a game that probably was going to come down to a field goal and a, and a game that probably the victor would be the guy who had the ball last. It's exactly what happened. I'll tell you, one thought I had about just watching that game up close, Joe Burrow is impressive, man. I, there are some oh my gosh. unbelievably clutch moments in that game, and that, that final throw was among them. You know, the, the conversion at the, at the very end of the game, he could the, the receiver, Higgins, could not have been covered better uh that was a strange play call unexpected play call and he delivered a bullet right where it needed to be he's an impressive guy he reminds me a lot of Patrick Mahomes it's hard to look at a guy like that and and like you know crying your soup because Mahomes has done this to so many teams in so many situations and and so when you get it done to you you got to kind of just man up and, and accept it but uh kudos to the Bengals they played a good game Dan, let's talk a little bit about the the defensive effort from Kansas City in that game. And I think one of the things that was maybe most glaring coming out of it was the the lack of quarterback sacks that the Chiefs defense had. Joe Burrow was the fourth most sacked quarterback in the league going into that game, and Kansas City was fifth in the league in sacks. And the Chiefs only got to Burrow one time, and that was at the very end of that game in a really peculiar peculiar play call uh, from Cincinnati where they decided to pass instead of run. They, they could have ran the clock out in that moment, but that was the only sack that Kansas City had. Are you concerned long-term about uh, the Chiefs and, and what, they're been, what they've been able to do as far as bringing pressure? I don't think so because I think part of the game plan was to do coverage sacks, you know, to really have the secondary uh, uh, do a lot of the work and keep those guys in front of them. But the one area that I, you know, as I thought about this game and as I reviewed uh, the the footage of the game, the one thing that kind of came to mind about this is Joe Burrow really is one of the few quarterbacks that doesn't get rattled by sacking him anyway. Now I like the sack because it ends a play. But in terms of like what you see out of most quarterbacks, when you sack them a time or two in the game, they just get rattled. They start pressuring their throws. They start worrying. And he's not one of those guys. So I'm not sure it was as big a deal against them as it, it, you know, even if they'd gotten to him, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm not sure it would have made a a difference. You got to make a kick that's, that's, you know, 
kickable. You got to make a field goal that's kickable, and you've got to be able to uh, hold on to the ball. The the percentages, even though that's changed a little over the years, where the turn, turnover ratio can predict the outcome of a game, it, it may not be as important as it used to be, but it's still important. And your your percentages go way down when you turn the ball over. Frankly, Travis Kelsey, Frank Clark were both really sick in the locker or on the uh, plane right out on Saturday. So I don't think Kelsey was anywhere near 100%. I just don't think he felt himself. I think he finally got the ball. He was trying to make something happen. Just, you know, hey, this is an opportunity. Let's do it. Probably should have just gone to a knee. But it's, again, you know, a guy like Kelsey who's won so many games for you in the past, hard to kind of be upset with him. Even if you even if you chalk this loss up to him personally, which I'm not sure would be fair, certainly was a pivotal moment. Uh, you you kind of got to give him credit for all those games that he's pulled out against the Chargers in the in overtime and fourth quarters, and so I don't know. I, I guess I just don't. Let's wait and see. Maybe you know the next couple of weeks. Unfortunately, aren't going to tell us much. I think it's going to have to wait and see how they play Seattle. You know, can they get pressure on Seattle? I really feel like Chris Jones is having a good year. Frank Clark's having a good year. George Karloftis and Dunlop. I did think Dunlop's. You know, they blew up that play right at the end of the first half. That was amazing. So, I think they'll be okay. That that would be my gut feel. I wonder too, Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network joining us how much pressure there even is now because the one advantage the Chiefs will have down the stretch here is a much softer schedule than their peers who are in contention for that number one overall seed Um, you know it's tough to win any game in the NFL but the Chiefs will have the luxury perhaps of being able to really focus in on the things that they feel like they need to focus on because they should win some of these games by big margins yeah, you would certainly think so. I know that wasn't the the optics we saw this uh, that we looked at this through prior to the start of the season, but just the way it's evolved and developed, uh, Denver is ponderously bad. I mean, maybe one of the worst teams in football, if not the worst team in football, and and Houston isn't much better. So the next two games are a little bit of give me. You know, I I don't suspect that the Chiefs would fall into a trap there because it's just not their mo. That's not the way Coach Reed works. Um, but it should it should not require the level of play that that most of this season feels like it has. Uh, it would have been nice to to have the AFC you know be what everybody thought it was going to be, but I just don't. At this point, I think that's over. And even though the Raiders probably are playing a little better than they were, I still think they're playing good enough to beat the Chiefs. So I think they're dom- I think the Chiefs' domination over the Raiders will continue. I really feel like they have one game left, and that's it. So uh, it is an opportunity for them, and the Bills is that is not the case for the Bills or the Bengals, so I, or the Titans, I think. So or, the Dolphins, you can throw all those guys in there. So I really think the 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 rest of the AFC has still got a lot of work to do in these last five games, and and I suspect they'll be a little beat up heading into the playoffs. The Chiefs may have the luxury of not being in that situation. At least I hope so. I want to ask you about the the secondary a little bit, Dan. Um, of course, all the headlines over the the last week leading up to the Bengals game was that trash talk uh, that Justin Reed uh, had, and then of course went back and forth with guys like Hayden Hurst and Jamar Chase and whatnot. Um, there were there were plays, um, and you referenced one the the final conversion that the Bengals had, where the Chiefs secondary the, their coverage was good, but there were other plays where it wasn't. 
Where do you think the secondary stands right now post Bengals game as we get later into the regular season and then eventually a playoff run? Yeah, I did think it was interesting that Justin Reed is the one that, that got caught up in all the trash talking. Well, frankly, he's still kind of doing it. So I just think it's weird bit. if you know if you know Justin, he's kind of a quiet, really well spoken guy and that's not really is the way his MO. It's it's so weird that he's involved in all this. But uh you know, I, I think honestly it started and I think that trash talking started last week. He got asked a question when the, when the guys study they study numbers. They really don't study names. And I think he just got confused by the, I don't know, confused, maybe too strong a word. I think he just was, he was more familiar with the numbers than the names. And, and frankly, the Bengals have suffered all year, not getting probably the, the props they deserve. And so that kind of started it all, but it, it continued to spill. And so I, I think it's interesting. I, I think Jamar Chase is a guy much like Tyreek Hill. Uh, maybe a little like Travis Kelsey, if he were to get into that, uh, that can put up versus shut up, you know? And, and so uh, Chase defending his guy, I thought that was probably, you know, uh, not out of the ordinary. Again, those, the Bengals have really got kind of a chip on their shoulder for being whatever they are now, eight and four and not being talked about more. And, and they are playing very good football now. So I, I, I understand where that comes from. Look, as a Chiefs fan, we all understand where that comes from. There was a lot of years where we suffered that. So the fact that it's kind of the opposite now is just a luxury of, of just the, the past few, maybe what, three or four seasons, right? So I, I think the secondary in general, though, that the thing that surprised me where there were a couple of points in the day, as you mentioned, where we were completely out of uh, kilter. Uh, guys were wide, wide open, and and that's that's always disturbing when you see it because you think whatever plan they had wasn't working. So I guess it's an opportunity for them to learn a little bit about the Bengals' offense. I also think that that probably what did them more in than those moments was their inability to keep Cincinnati uh, get the get them off the field on third down. That was an issue. They had good third down conversion, even though the rate wasn't necessarily high, it was clutch at times to keep these drives going into the game is an exact, you know, example of that, where you've got good coverage and you just can't stop them. And that's the mark of a good offense. And, and as a chiefs fan, like I said, it, it's hard not to accept that given how many times we've done that to other teams. It's early in this budding rivalry, Dan, but I can't help but think back. I brought this up yesterday when I watch, Again, early, Mahomes versus Burrow. It sort of reminds me of when Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were both younger. Early on in that rivalry where Peyton Manning was getting all the accolades, but Tom Brady just kept beating him head-to-head as they were both in the conversation for the great young quarterbacks. Can you feel that sort of rivalry, that rivalry that we got for so many years, Manning versus Brady, beginning to develop between these two? Everyone, Everybody wants to pay attention to Mahomes versus Josh Allen. But I kind of like the Mahomes versus Burrow storyline starting to brew up here. Yeah, it's funny. I mentioned that at a public appearance on Saturday night to to the people that we were speaking to. I said, you know, this is a a fledgling rivalry and and after the afterwards a guy came up to me and said you know ah, you know it's not really a rivalry it's just they're just good games i said i disagree when games cost you things like going to the super bowl that is what creates a rivalry now maybe it's not a fan rivalry like the chiefs and raiders or even what's become the chiefs and bills yet 
yet, <laughs> but I definitely tell you, inside the locker room, if I were to have asked Justin Reed, uh, when do you want to play the, the Bengals next, it would have been tonight. <laughs> I want to play them tonight. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they're ready. They, they, this is something to them, and this means something to them. So, and, and I think those, I think the rivalries always start with the, the players in the locker room and the competitive attitude they have about playing teams that either cost them something or are going to cost them something. So I do believe this is that, that fledgling rivalry, and I do believe that it's going to increase. I think it's going to go on for a couple of years. As long as Joe Burrow continues to look like he did on Sunday, and as long as Patrick Mahomes continues to look that way, this is going to be that thing. You know, uh, Rodgers has had it. Uh, Manning's had it. Elway had it. Joe Montana had it. This is the way that works. And and I think the the – you know, the kind of the concept that the Chiefs and Bengals is a rivalry somehow takes away from the Chiefs and Bills being a rivalry. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. If you want to take away a, a, a rivalry that hasn't meant much in, in modern days, it's the Chiefs and Raiders. I mean, the Chiefs have the Raiders numbers. I, I don't fear going out there. I never feel like, oh, well, this is, here comes that game. You know, we love to hate the Raiders. I get it. And, and, I, and the history, I agree with all of that. But I don't think one rivalry has to substitute for another. I think right now for the Chiefs inside the locker room and probably what Chiefs fans should consider is that the two rivalries that that are, you know, much like the Chiefs and Colts had in the playoff game the previous decade and a half, the, it's the Bills and the Bengals. they got to get past these two. Those are the two best teams, uh, in my, the two best competition for the Kansas City Chiefs and, and the two best imped, possible impediments to, to getting back to a Super Bowl. Well, Dan, looking ahead to next week, Chiefs fans have been uh, pretty fortunate to be immune from having to watch the Broncos at all this season. But we're now in Broncos week uh, for Kansas City fans. Uh, Really, I don't think that there are a ton of storylines here. Maybe there are more, but there's one I can think of. uh, And that is the acquisition that the Chiefs brought on Melvin Gordon to the practice squad. Is there a possibility that we could see him uh, and is there any sort of contribution that he could make specifically taking on his former team in the Broncos? You know, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, are we going to see him? I said, oh, yeah, you can count on that because that's the way this league works. Uh, it's, right now, it, it would be tough to take Jerick McKinnon or Isaiah Pacheco off the field. I mean, I, I thought they ran uh, with uh, an intensity on Sunday against the Bengals that I haven't seen out of a Chiefs running back you got to go way back. You know, Larry Johnson, not Priest Holmes. Even Jamal Charles, uh, as uh, as shifty a runner as he was and as quick as he was, he never run, ran angry like Isaiah Pacheco was doing uh, on, on Sunday. So I think now it's hard, you know, to get Melvin Gordon on the field, you got to take one of those guys off the field. But I do think it's a possibility you'll see him. I just don't know how much. As to whether he can contribute, absolutely. I, I would maybe argue that one of the main reasons the Chiefs signed him is they got to play the, the Broncos twice. Why not get a guy who spent most of the season on that team in and get the intelligence that he would have with regards to their playbook and how they, you know, what their what their system looks like right now? I mean, sure, Chiefs can gather that via film, but always you know, you're going to find out something from an insider. So I definitely think he's got the ability to contribute whether or not you see him on the field or not, I I think is a, is a harder question to answer, but 
there's no doubt that he's been in some coach's office saying, hey, this is what we do on third down. This is what we do. This is the tendency of, of uh, you know, Hackett to call here and there. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think he's a contributor. So, uh, you know, nine points on the road. The Broncos have gotten nothing done. Uh, but they have a pretty good defense, right? Uh, they, they've played good defense despite their offense. Any concern at all going to mile high and, and playing that kind of a defense here where maybe I, something weird could happen? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the, the point fans ought to realize is that they do have a very good defense. And, and you know, if they figure out their offensive woes, it, it would be a competitive team. It's just unfortunate right now they're playing such – you know, bad football on the offensive side and that it it's just can't overcome uh, no matter what their defense is able to pull off. It can't overcome that. And, and uh, you know, I, I would suspect against a Steve Spagnuolo defense against a fast defense like ours has become that their day is not going to improve on Sunday, but boy, I'll tell you, if there's one thing I've learned out of this league, it's any given Sunday. I, I'll never forget the two and 14 season that we had. I think we were, we had not won a single game all year, and the Green Bay Packers came to town undefeated, and we beat them. It was just nobody saw that coming. You know, no, you just you can't even imagine a team that hasn't won a single game all year. And frankly, a lot of them weren't even close. Uh, or maybe we'd won one game, but it, it, we were. It was just we were such a bad team that year, and, and to beat the Green Bay Packers, who were on an undefeated streak and playing red hot football i think they went to the super bowl that year even maybe won it i I don't i don't even recall the seasons but i I just remember realizing at that very moment yeah any given sunday anything can happen so you have to be prepared for a team like denver uh it is tough to play in denver so i think that is one thing that you know uh the the locker room is probably preparing for the cold the crowd the crowd can be intense uh the altitude's a factor and and so you, you you may not need your A game, but you got to take a real game up there. You can't just mail it in. And and again, I I would not suspect the Chiefs would fall into that trap, uh, just because that's not the way Coach Reed works. But I, I do think it's an opportunity. Uh, I probably shouldn't even say this out loud, but I do think this is an opportunity that maybe you can get some guys in in the second half that uh, don't get as much playing time as is maybe they would like and get them some experience. And it'd be nice to see Mahomes out by the second half. I don't think he will. But I just not coach doesn't pull, you know, uh, yeah, you be, you be the one to tell him to come off the field, Dan. That's, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly right. You, you got to not only have a coach willing to say it, you got to have the player willing to hear it. Neither one of those exists. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, Dan. Well, uh, it's a three Oh five kick. You guys begin pregame coverage win. And what's on, uh, what can we expect coming into the broadcast this week? Yeah, on the network, we'll start up at 2 o'clock. Got a little bit of planned out, uh, to be honest, with these three road games back-to-back. We we had a tough day in Cincinnati. We had a lot of equipment failure, and we kind of limped through that game ourselves. So I spent most of yesterday working on Cincinnati. I'm a little behind for uh, Denver, but I promise you we'll have something good. All right, that sounds good. Dan Israel, you can hear him over over on our sister station, 98.7, where you'll hear all the Chiefs games on the Chiefs Radio Network. Dan, we appreciate it. We'll see you win and uh, get back next week. All right, guys. Have a good week. Go Chiefs. There's Dan Israel. If you missed any of that conversation and want to revisit it, you can always find it at kfhradio.com. We'll look ahead to a little bit of the college hoops on the slate tonight featuring uh, one of our area teams. We'll do that next on Sports Daily. 
Everybody, Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers producing for us here today. Uh, Tommy, college basketball on a Tuesday night now sort of takes center stage. We have some good games. Uh, KU, Wichita State not playing. K-State is. We'll start there. They host Abilene Christian. Uh, BetMGM has them as 12.5-point favorites. I think I might get in on that just a little bit. Uh, I, I kind of like K-State in an opportunity to uh, – you know, come back from a, an emotional win, but they get to stay at home against Wichita State. Um, low scoring probably because that's the way they play, but I, I kind of like Kansas State in that spot tonight. So we'll see them firsthand. That game tips at 7 o'clock. It's an it's a ESPN Plus game. But otherwise in the Big 12, it's an active night for the Big 12, the headline game being number 17, Illinois, versus number 2, Texas. That's the game of the night, I think, across the country. Texas, a slight favorite. In that game, you've got the Brad Underwood angle for Illinois. You've got Texas as the number two team right now. Are you buying Texas yet? I haven't seen them a ton. Saw them against Gonzaga. I think that's probably the place most people saw at least just a little bit of them. I love that they're really good. I think it adds to the Big 12 drama this year. I don't know if I would, you know, I know they're ranked higher, but I don't know if I can still say I think they'll finish ahead of Kansas and Baylor. Um, but having them in the mix as a top team in the country, certainly fun. And and I and I know that as Big 12 fans, we're a little mad at Texas, but I like when Texas basketball's good. I think it's cool. I think it's it's something that's fun to watch, and, and I'm glad they're sort of back now with Chris Beard. I knew that uh, Texas was a good team, but I, I wasn't sold on them being a great team uh, until they beat Creighton, and that was a game where – um, you know, Creighton is a time really, wins. that's a big win. And Creighton's a really solid basketball team. Uh, and they took him down, you know, by five last week. And, and that was a big win for Chris Beard to kind of solidify and show that, Hey, we're deserving of a top five ranking. Um, now I want to be clear. Do I think that Texas will be the number two team in America in February or, you know, in March? No, I don't. I, I mean, I think that they're a really good team. But I'm not sure that they are a team that we're going to be talking about as, you know, dominant when we get into conference play. That's what happens in the Big 12. The Big 12, you end up beating each other up, and and uh, that, that's kind of the way that it typically works. But I do think that they've got a lot of talent. You know, Chris Beard has come into Texas and, you know, built a culture of success that they had really not had for a while. Uh, and so, you know, Shaka Smart really wasn't able to get the Longhorns where he wanted them to be. So, you know, credit to Chris Beard and what he's been able to do there so far. But I do think that they're a really good basketball team. Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting because I'm not sure there's a team in the country with a, you know, with a, with a better collection of wins than Creighton and Gonzaga out of the gates. Um, and if they can beat Illinois, they would certainly add to that tonight. I think if they beat Illinois tonight, Tommy, I, I'll have to buy into them being the second-best team because that's that's three now really high-level wins early in a season. Uh, the game is a – I think it's a true home game tonight for Texas, unless I'm missing something. I'm pretty sure it is, uh, which which will help. Oh, no, they're playing this in New York City. 
Uh, they're playing it at Madison Square Garden for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason is, uh, but they're playing it at Madison Square Garden. So it, it's a neutral court. So that's it. that makes it even bigger if Texas can get this win. Um, I think we have to buy in at that point. I'm excited to see that game, and I'm going to try and catch some of it. It's a really busy, busy week for us uh, outside of the sports world. But I, I really do want to catch some of that if possible because I want to know. I, I love the Big 12. Big 12. I might like Big 12 basketball, Tommy, more than Big 12 football. I stink and love Big 12 basketball. I've spent so much time covering it over the years, uh, you know, in really my entire professional career. I've covered the Big 12 basketball, and and I think it's the best brand in the country for college basketball. I think it's the most consistent, very close to boasting the last three national champions. Got two of them done with Baylor and Kansas, almost got it done with Tech the year before that. It, it's just it. It continuously proves to be an amazing brand that generates an unreal basketball product with just about every conference game that's played. And so I, the Big 12 being on the big stage tonight against Illinois, and Brad Underwood being there doesn't help either. Uh, it doesn't hurt either, I should say. That's awesome. That's a great regular season Tuesday night college basketball game. Yeah, and what I like about Texas is they've got two guys that are legitimate um, weapons offensively and Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr. Those two guys are both averaging um, over 15 points a game. And just the, the veteran leadership that Marcus Carr brings, they've got Timmy Allen as a senior also. Uh, they, they've got quite a bit of experience in that program that other teams in the conference don't have quite as much of. I mean, in, in a world of, you know, we talked about it last hour in, in the football perspective, but even in basketball, in a world of the transfer portal and players going from place to place, um, it's difficult. I mean, Wichita State is struggling with this right now, getting uh, veterans in your program that are there for a long time and that can, you know, be a part of a program. Chris Beard in Texas, they have that. They've got veterans. They've got guys who know that program and that are legitimate weapons. And, and that's part of the reason why they are where they are right now. Um, they've played, a like we mentioned before, a really tough um, opening schedule, taking on teams like Gonzaga and Creighton and beating them. Uh, and, of course, they've got another top 25 opponent in Illinois tonight. Uh, and so, yeah, it's high-level basketball early on. I think they'll fall off of that a little bit when they, when they get into conference play, but they are still a really good team. It'll be fun. Elsewhere in the Big 12, um, you have tonight, you have TCU hosting Jackson State, a former home of Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. Uh, Baylor and Tarleton State. We've seen Tarleton State now uh, quite a bit this year. Oklahoma and UMKC. The Sooners off to a nice start. Oklahoma State and Sam Houston might be the other really uh, good game. Sam Houston's out to a 7-1 and one start. So, that's what else is happening in the Big 12. Should be a lot of fun. I know out in the American, I know Houston's playing tonight as heavy favorites over North Florida. Not much to watch there. Um, Memphis and Little Rock. Little Rock's not as good as they once were. Yeah, there's not much else in the American. To, it, Temple and St. Joe's play. That might be okay. But Houston, they're, they're going to win big. Uh, that's that's what's uh, that's what's there for the two conferences that we are playing in. Do you feel like, Tommy, because I feel this way, do you feel like we're later to college basketball this year? I, I fully blame the success of Kansas and K-State football, uh, but I feel like I'm later to locking in on college basketball than I normally would be. Yeah, I think so. I think that's absolutely fair. Um, and, and, and I, you know, 
I like it. I like the fact that we are, you know, talking bowl games and big 12 championships and things like that uh, for our teams in football. I want to go back to, you mentioned the, the Kansas state game uh, that's happening tonight against Abilene Christian. And I feel like, you know, yeah, we're a little bit late to the party when it comes to basketball this season, but I think nationally everybody is a little late to the party on Keontae Johnson and what he's doing for for Kansas state right now. Um, That is one of the best stories in college basketball bar none this season. This guy is two years removed from collapsing on the court. And a lot of people thought that, you know, number one, that he might not survive. And number two, that he would probably never play college basketball again. Now he's with Kansas state. The guy's averaging 18 points a game and six and a half boards a game. Um, He's, you know, solidifying himself as one of the best players in the big 12 here early on um, clearly in the running for newcomer of the year in the conference and really not getting a lot of the national attention uh, because I think of the, the, the profile of Kansas state basketball right now, uh, but not really getting that uh, not really getting the attention, the accolades, all of that here early on. Um, It's one of the, not only the best feel good stories, but he is a legitimate weapon and legitimately the best player on the court for this Kansas state team. Yeah. He's, he's a rock star. He's going to be in the conversation for the conference's player of the year. And I know he's, he's way behind probably. And I say way that's relative, but he's behind Jalen Wilson right now. And and some of these other studs for Texas that we pointed out, but I think he'll get there. I think he'll get there because we fall in love with great stories. And his story is a phenomenal story. And it's going to be fun to see that story told at more of a national level as we make our way into the the part of the year where college basketball does take center stage because it's been fantastic. His efficiency is incredible. Um, he is a clear leader on the court, and and he has some pieces around him. Uh, He's playing that the second most really minutes successful. on the team behind yeah. Marquise Noel. He's got the second most minutes, and uh, so I I certainly wouldn't have pegged him as you know a workhorse um, just with his health issues, but he's on the court a lot. And he's producing when yeah. he's on the court. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's and we didn't know if he's going to be a workhorse because we didn't know the you know, the physical health he would be able yeah. to bring to the table this year. Uh, but he bet on himself and he bet big and it's going to pay off. It looks like uh, a, a good point by Mike on Twitter uh, says, you know, careful with Texas and the quality went over Creighton. Creighton lost by 10 to Nebraska Sunday. I still think Creighton's a good team, but it is a good point and worth pointing out. Uh, it just sort of speaks to the insanity of trying to get teams ranked in college basketball early in a season now because just about every team in the country sees incredible, incredible roster turnover now at the transfer portal. 869-1240, you can always get in touch with us there or on social media as Mark just did. Uh, All right, Tommy, let's give something away here in this hour as well. You got some Thunder tickets for us to give away here? Yeah, we've got another game coming up on December 23rd. It's uh, two days before Christmas. It's our annual Meet Santa event. He'll be there to take pictures with the kids and all of that. So we'll do a four-pack of tickets to Friday night, December 23rd, the Thunder at Entrust Bank Arena. And we'll throw in a pair of HTO free iced tea cards. You've probably heard the commercials here on our family of networks. The grand opening for our East location is coming on Friday. So we're open west, we're open east. These free tea cards will work either place, so you can get your hands on a pair of those. You can get your hands on a four-pack of tickets to the Wichita Thunder game on December 23rd. We'll do that to our second caller during the break here. Jad will take that for us, and we'll be right back with more Sports Daily.
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oh, okay, take it easy. We're going on the air. This is Sports Daily on KFH. our giveaway for some Wichita Thunder tickets and some free tea from HTO. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily, Jake Balbrock, Tommy Caster. Heisman candidates are out. Not really any surprises, Tommy. Caleb Williams, C.J. Stroud, Max Duggan, Stetson Bennett, four quarterbacks in there. Um, Caleb Williams is just an unbelievable favorite right now. MGM has him at minus 2,500. I threw five bucks at Max Duggan to see if his uh, performance in that game against K-State might lift his chances. I got it at like plus 2,000, but it's no chance. Uh, it's going to be Caleb Williams most likely here. It's a, it's a good group. C.J. Stroud is, you know, just a machine out there. Stetson Bennett, who doesn't get nearly enough credit, doesn't have nearly the numbers of his peers, and his team probably relies on him the least out of this group, which... You know, it's not really Stetson Bennett's fault, but it is what it is. But Max Duggan enters this conversation, Tommy, and what an unbelievable story he is. He was not the starter for this season, came in in week one, and has led them the way that he has. 
And there has not been, if there has been, it hasn't been by much, a better performance and a guttier performance than him down the stretch of that game against K-State where he would just put it on his shoulders and kept making play after play after play. Um, and they didn't give him the chance to, to get the yard when they needed it, which was just un, unreal. Uh, but what a performance that was, and, and good for that guy uh, to, to get into this conversation, get onto this stage. What a, what a cool story he has been this year for the Frogs. Well, I hate to break it to you. I think you threw away five dollars um, because oh, he's not winning I the did. Heisman, and and he had a, he's had a great season, and you know he has led TCU to several come from behind victories, and he's the quarterback of the team that is number three in the CFP, and that's great. Um, and, and I've enjoyed watching him. I said it on the show uh, on Monday that his performance in the Big Twelve Championship game and that final drive in regulation where they tied the game. Um, was incredible, and that was his Heisman moment, I guess. He's not going to win. Caleb Williams is going to win. I think it's a shame that Hendon Hooker from Tennessee got injured because I think he would have been the runaway favorite to win the Heisman. In my mind, he had an incredible season before he went out with that injury, and Tennessee was on a roll during that time. Um, So that's unfortunate. Um, But, yeah, I I really feel like it's going to end up being fairly anticlimactic, it's going to be Williams. I don't see a, a scenario in which it's going to be another one of the the three finalists that are there. But um, it doesn't take anything away from those other guys, especially Max Duggan. And uh, yeah, I mean, of course, as a Big 12 guy, certainly going to be rooting for him in the Heisman and going sure. to be rooting for TCU in the CFP. Yeah, me too. I also threw five at them at like plus 1600 to get the win. Just because if it happens, I'll be mad if I didn't do it. Um, and I, and I, I don't think there is... I don't think Georgia is so dominant that any one of these four teams couldn't win. TCU will clearly be the underdog of the four. But I'll give him a shot. I'll give him a shot. Um, all right, Tommy, it's taken me, and you should be, you know, you should applaud me for this. It's taken me to our final full segment on Tuesday to bring up the fact that uh, Jacob deGrom is a Texas Ranger now. Here we go. And uh, it, his, it was the first domino of what's been some massive movement very early in – the Major League Baseball free agency season, we see now Justin Verlander going to the Mets um, for on a couple of years for 40-plus. So he's quickly out of Houston. Jacob deGrom goes to the Rangers, who take an injury risk, but, you know, add potentially one of, if not the best pitcher in baseball. A lot of big swings early, Tommy. Sometimes in baseball, free agency takes a little time to get going. That does not appear to be the case, even though we don't have Aaron Judge resolved. That does not appear to be the case this year. Well, Trey Turner signed with the Phillies for like 11 years, and that's a huge contract. Um, yep. And that reunites Turner and Bryce Harper with the Phillies. And, you know, the defending where uh, the Phillies in the, in the World Series uh, this season, they're absolutely loaded, the defending National League champions, uh, by adding probably the best shortstop on the market. And there are several shortstops on the market with Carlos Correa and Xander Bogarts and Dan Dansby Swanson and several others. Uh, but Turner off the board going to Philadelphia. You mentioned Verlander to the Mets more than likely you would think probably ending his career with the Mets with that two year deal. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned Jacob deGrom with the Rangers. He'll be a great part-time pitcher for them when he's healthy. Uh, and I mean, they paid him a lot of money, more money than mm-hmm. I would have paid him, but when he is healthy, he's a good pitcher. 
He's a good pitcher when he's healthy. He's a good pitcher. He, okay, he's a great pitcher when he's healthy. When he's not he's healthy, in the conversation he doesn't contribute the best at all. Pitcher in Major League Baseball is what he is. I, look, I get it. There's injury risk. There's injury You've risk. You've got your rose-colored fan glasses on. I sure get it. I do. Absolutely, I do. Jacob Degrom. That's fine. It's 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 also as a, just an observer of the game. The Rangers never spend money on pitching. Never. And they finally did. And they're not done yet either. I'll predict, and I've predicted a billion times, they're going to sign Carlos Rodon too. You just watch. You just watch. They already got Martin Perez back. They went and they made the two big moves last season with Seager and Simeon. They've spent like three quarters of a billion dollars in the last two off seasons on three players, and I don't think they're done. They've just been sitting on this treasure chest there with their new ballpark, so it's good to see them doing that. For the Royals, though, as we have just a couple of minutes here, uh, nothing big yet. They did uh, avoid an arbitration situation I saw today with Adalberto Mondesi. So that's actually pretty good to see because I, I get it. I get it. Same old story. But if he could ever play a whole season, he could make them a lot better. I wouldn't count on it, but at least they avoid arbitration and don't have to get into a nasty contractual situation to try and decide that. Um, I'm curious to see if Zach Grinke comes back. I really hope he does. I'm curious to see how much of an impact on the young pitchers the new staff will be able to have right out of the gates because I think that will largely give us an idea of how aggressive this team's going to be in free agency. The Royals are an interesting case, Tommy, because I don't know how, like if I'm making the call, I don't know how aggressive I want them to be or if the better alternative is to try what the last group failed with to develop these young pitchers that they already have. I don't know what the right answer is. I think that regardless if they sign Zach Greinke uh, and bring him back, they need another pitcher. And J.J. Piccolo has said that um, a couple different times, that you need a starting rotation pitcher who's ready to go right now, uh, regardless if Zach Greinke comes back. Um, and so I don't know exactly who, if anybody, they're targeting for that. Um, but, you know, clearly the long-term play is getting the development with those young arms to a point to where, they're actually having success. That's been, that was the knock on, um, you know, the Dayton Moore and Mike Matheny era was that they couldn't develop the young pitching, right? And so that's got to be the long-term strategy because they've invested draft capital in multiple pitchers. But right now in the short term, they need another arm who's ready to pitch in the majors, in the rotation, uh, and be an anchor guy right now. Of course, it's going to come down to the money and what are they willing to spend on that? I don't know the answer to that. I know their top priority right now is having that conversation with Zach Grinky and, you know, trying to bring him back. Um, and that's great. I like Zach Grinky. I like the fact that he's ending his career more than likely in Kansas City where he started it. That's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. It's a nice, feel-good story. But you need another arm in that rotation who can eat up innings right away. Yeah, you do. And, and some of the young guys now, too, like eat, when you talk about eating up innings, with some of the young guys, it is time for them, even if they're not, you know, incredibly effective, to eat up innings at the least, right? Like, if you're going to get the spot to uh, try to work out and become the pitcher you're going to be, you've at least got to get to the point where you can log the innings. Uh, Singer is there. I think it's time for Lynch to be there. Some of these other young guys need to be, you know, the, you, you got to take the training wheels off and let them get out there and go 190 innings this year. Um, and then make the evaluation. I don't know how much veteran pitching they're going to look for. I don't know how much. I don't know how many veteran bats they're going to look for. 
uh, to, to supplement the great young lineup that we assume will be there. But what I wouldn't expect is for any sort of spending spree for the Royals because I don't think that's what's right for the organization right now. Um, their best bet to win is for the young guys to develop. Spending a bunch of money on middling free agents to come in and think that it's going to turn it around this year, I, I don't think that's going to happen. They're better off spending in the draft, spending internationally, doing those kinds of things, because as much as we don't want to admit it, it's it's sort of like the rebuild of the rebuild now. And, and hopefully that's short-lived. Hopefully the young guys come out with their hair on fire next year, uh, with a staff made up of guys who've been a part of organizations who have done this before with young players, and they can be good next year. But don't expect a spending spree for them. Do expect a spending spree across free agency because the early indications are this thing's going to be wild. Well, yeah, and, and of course they hired Matt Cotrero, and, and part of his pedigree is development. It's development yep. and it's analytics. And so they bring him in with the thought process that he's going to be the guy who can lead the development of the young players that the Royals have invested so much draft capital in. So we'll see if that actually plays out. I certainly wouldn't expect the Royals to go crazy in free agency. No, even if they don't go crazy, it'll be interesting to watch what they do do. I said do do at all. Um, Relief help is always good. That's where I would attack if I was the Royals. 869-1240. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this Tuesday on Sports Daily. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.